What's up, Internet? I need a quick favour. If you like any of my content, the Wake and Bake News, the Morning Just a Stoner podcast, the Wally Waffle clips on Instagram, the Cannabis Influencer skits I do, or any of my spoofs, I want to get to know you a lot better, and I want you to get to know me a little bit better. So I'm off to use a new app called Relevant. It's the place the cannabis community can connect with each other without being shadow banned like we do on the other social media apps. We know which ones we're all about, don't we? Relevant is a live audio chat app where you can join communities called Vibes. I'll be doing live talks, Q&As, and anyone wants to come on the podcast, I'll be doing open mics. You can come on, you can come on the podcast, suggest content you want me to cover. So please come on over and join the 460 Vibe right now. Come and say hi, so I know you're there. That's Relevant, R-E-L-E-V-N-T, available on the app stores and Google Play. Please go get it. What is up, Internet? Welcome to episode 45 of the More Than Just a Stoner podcast. I am absolutely high. I've been around my brothers. It is Saturday night. Been around there. He cooked his fat old bit of steak, boy. And now we are high. The steaks are high. We are high. I feel mash up. My boy Skelly has been in the kitchen again. He done me this on Friday. But I fucking thought I'd work today, so I thought I'd save it for today. Done me a lovely cheesecake. A Rolo cheesecake, 300 milligram slice. So let's quickly get into that. Get mashed up even more. I smoked about four joints back to back. How many brothers? Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, it's skinny. That's your best one yet, bro. That is fine. We're going to be fucking rich, baby. Oh, we're fucking rich. Bruh, that's different. I'm going to get down on this. I'll edit all this out. You can taste the cannabis, but it tastes fucking amazing. You know, we can taste cannabis and edibles. You can taste it on top of it. This goes with it. Rolo cheesecake is the one. It's stuck there with me mum's brownies that we forced her to make at gunpoint. <laughs> I'm so stoned, I'll just smash that. Bruv, I don't know how you did that. Well, that is fucking fire. When this shit is legal, keep your eye out for what we're going to do. Skelly. Bravo, bruv. That's your best one you've done. That base, the cannabis, you can just... It just goes. Cheesecake is the way to go with cannabis. Let's get some water. Right, so you had... You heard about the relevant. You better go over there, ain't you? Oh, you lazy bastards. I've just smashed an edible. Back to like a spliff. But first, I think it's time we talk about the marijuana conspiracy. I got an email saying, would I like to see this film that's coming out? It's coming out Tuesday, April the 20th, 420 in America, Canada and all that. It's coming out there. It's a film about... I ain't going to ruin it too much. You can watch a trailer on YouTube. I'll put the YouTube, the, if you go to the podcast descriptions, I'll put the link there for the trailer to YouTube. Go watch it. Because <clears throat> I was pleasantly surprised, man. You know, when I thought, oh, it's going to be about marijuana, they're going to portray it wrong. <coughs> it's interesting. We don't know about this. And I might do an extra episode going into the actual articles now, because it's a real, it's based on a real story about some women that got, 
recruited for some research to do marijuana, see how it affects women, trying to make them look like they're lazy on it. But the research weren't going the way they was fought in, so they was playing about with it, giving them too much and that. Don't want to ruin it. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get an interview with the director of the film, Craig Price. I'm pretty sure his name was. Also the woman, Doreen Brown, who she was actually part of the research. So I was lucky enough to get an interview with them, which I'm going to play for you right now. But knowing me, bloody camera didn't work on my laptop. So it was a blank screen. I had to apologise for the embarrassing thing, but more than just a stoner and I'm still a Wally. But luckily I've managed to animate quickly my man just asking a question. So this is my interview. I'm going to spark this joint. You go watch that, listen to that. See you in a minute. So, yeah, do you want to introduce yourself, Craig, and tell me a little bit about you and how you got involved? Sure. So I'm Craig Price. I'm um, the writer-director of The Marijuana Conspiracy. Um, I've been at it a while. I've made a lot of TV films and feature films and series and things like that. And um, this is sort of a passion project of mine. Uh, and it was a really interesting project to make um, period piece, 1972, true story. Um, and it, it's about a really unusual controversial experiment about the effects of weed on women. So that's sort of the short answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've been running my own experiment for the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just tried it out there when it's in my head, but I just, um, the way you got the smokers to come across is perfect. Like I sometimes find it's hard for people to portray uh, marijuana users, but you know, I felt connected to them. Yeah, why was the experiment done in the first place? Well, uh, I'll, I'll jump in quickly and let Doreen carry on. What was happening in in um, in Canada in 1972 was that marijuana was a class one narcotic. So if you got busted with a single joint, you would spend seven years in jail. And at the time, the Liberal government was um, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, who's Justin Trudeau's father. So it's kind of ironic, our, our new prime minister. Mm. Um, anyway, Trudeau uh, hired a, a person called uh, Justin Ledane to do the, the Ledane report because they want to look at the fact is marijuana as, as dangerous as it is that people would be incarcerated or could they look at it in a more lenient way? So they started to do research and experiments. At the same time in Ontario, uh, there was a government um, that was dead set against this and the general society was against this. They didn't want any changes made to the laws and regulations of marijuana. So they decided to do their own studies. And um, at that time, this is about a very specific experiment done. A social scientist got funding to look at the effects of marijuana on weed, because at the time, marijuana with females, there was all this paranoia and, and propaganda. They said that if women smoke weed, they become very promiscuous. They just do all kinds of crazy, turn into prostitutes, you name it. <laughs> so, I didn't do that, though, Craig. I'm not saying it's true. It was I know. True. I know. <laughs> I'm getting close. I'm getting close. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so just um, what they ended up doing was they uh, they decided to look at productivity because, again, the myth was that if you smoke weed, you wouldn't work and you'd lie around and not be productive. So they had a control group uh, who did not smoke weed, and then they had the, uh, the women who did smoke weed. And um, they just found out, not to what they expected, that some of the women who did smoke the weed were actually more productive and were making more money making these belts than um sorry about that let's turn that off so so they decided to change the rules which is sort of where you're getting to don't no spoiler alerts no. to try and sort of skew the results and that's where the movie gets really interesting because it deals with um 
what they were doing uh, as a human experiment, which at that time had no reg- there was no regulations that involved how you could treat people. And with this interesting backdrop, why I was so attracted to the story is that because of um, not only the era and the laws and the mores that was going on and the experiment itself, it was actually the women's journey and what they went through before they got there and while they were there that really attracted me to the story. So that this was really, you know, that the heart of the story and the forefront of it with this fascinating backdrop. So that's sort of how it all came about and um, deciding to make this movie. Yeah, and I suppose, uh, was it a no-brainer when you sort of see the story to make the film or...? Well, originally it started as a, an, I read about it, it happened in 1972, but there was, in 2013, there was an article in the Toronto Star. Mm-hmm. Diane, who's an investigative reporter, uh, wrote this fascinating, and a lot of credit to her uh, for this film happening. She wrote a really great story that involved multiple characters involved, and including like the scientists and the social scientists, the government, and of course, all these young women. And she went and found, uh, Doreen brought it to Diana, actually. So she was sort of the, the very first connection to why this even ended up in the star. And then once that happened, uh, I just, I looked at it and I said, you know, this would make a great film. I had a lot going on, but it always kept rising to the top of the pile. And then I said, you know what, it's time to do it. And um, I fortunately got to meet uh, some of the real women, including Doreen, that were really honest and gave me a lot of perspective and made it much more real. So that's sort of um, the, the genesis of it. When I got further into the research, because Diana, she did additional research, uh, and like I say, got introduced me to the women's stuff, it just became more and more vivid in my mind about what type of film this would be and 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 to get it made. I I, I feel real connected to this already, because my whole podcast is called More Than Just a Stoner, because I want to change the image of what, you know, because I'm definitely not lazy, do you know what I mean? So I try to portray on the internet through golf, you know, the gym, everything, what you can do on the you know, and it's right. not, which I think this is the way it's going. I'm, you know, I'm not all the way through film yet, but I can see, I can mm-hmm. see what they're about to try to do to the result. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, have, oh yeah, have the real women seen the film yet? Yeah, and I'm just going to be a director here and ask Doreen to tilt her, her laptop oh, a little yeah. bit down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a I little bit. That's there right. you go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, okay. You okay. can tell I'm a control freak director, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, sorry, what was the question again? Yeah, have the real women seen the film between them? Yes, I'm going to let Doreen speak. I'm, yeah. I'm talking too much, but I will say that uh, about at least uh, four of them, and not all of them are here or could be contacted, but four of them did. I was very nervous about that. Um, I did get emails from some of them, and including Doreen, which was which was she sent me a beautiful email about it. So probably best to talk to her about that yeah. because um, I can't speak for her. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, let's get straight to it. And then, Doreen, how did you feel about the film? Did you feel, obviously, it's a bit awkward? <laughs> yeah. All three of us. No, I, be, honest, be honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I've told Craig how, how I feel about it, and I'm not just saying this because Craig's right there. No. But I thought the, the film was very honest, realistic. Um, it really depicted that period in time on different levels, socially, culturally, politically. And uh, the experiment, I, it brought me right back to that time and right back to that experiment. And I actually felt quite emotional watching it. It, it really did bring me right back there. So, really? I, yeah, I, I think Craig did a great job. I really, really do. Thank I you. can't stress it enough. The, the realism. I'm going to mm-hmm. like, um, 
recommend this film to everyone I know all over my podcast everywhere like that. But um, can we get a little bit into your experiences being part of the study, just a little bit touch into it, how you, your experience with it? It started off okay. It was, I don't want to give a lot away. No, about yeah, it's hard to understand it's not out yet. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it, it, it started off okay. It was like a unique uh, experience, of course. Not many uh, people would could do that. Right. Um, and whether they would or not, that's another story. Um, but after a while, I mean, it, it was surreal because you're living in a hospital corridor for 98 days. You can't go out. You can't see anyone you know. Um, so it wasn't a real depiction of society, really. <laughs> and so those conditions in itself, um, you know, it was stifled. But we had fun in the beginning. We had really had a good time. We bonded with each other. And it was fun and games when it started. But as the time went on and um, the mayor, the THC increased, it, it became a drudgery because every night at a certain time, you had to be in that lounge and you had to smoke two joints. You couldn't pass them around. They looked at the roach to make sure you smoked enough of the, the joint. And uh, after a while, it was pure drudgery awesome. for myself. And I know a few other people as well. But again, it, you know, it wasn't realistic. It was surreal. Who's going to do that? No, I said, when you look back at unregulating that and the weird sort of experiment, like even nowadays with reality TV and that, holding people in houses and all that, it's not good for them. What was your takeaway from the study? Did you, you know, is, uh, how has it affected you going forward from there? Um, it, it uh, well, it did. I guess it was a catalyst for making changes in my personal life. Uh, I guess I could say that maybe a year or two down the road. Um, it, uh, it was very hard getting out of there because you're kind of protected in a sense, like a cocoon. And then all of a sudden we leave. There was absolutely no follow-up to this experiment to see how we were doing physically, psychologically. And uh, so all of the, a sudden you're, you're back in reality and you got to look for a job, find a place to live. And um, a lot of people you wouldn't tell at that time. I did tell a few people I was close to, but it, it wasn't uh, conducive to telling people that climate at that time. Is it, was it, uh, oh, I don't know if I'm ruining, spoiling anything here, but the research wasn't published, was it? No, no. We never, they never found the, uh, Craig could speak to that probably better than me, but no, we never got the results and we were promised the results. Yeah, I'll get to yeah. Craig with that in two, two seconds. Just one last question for you quickly. Sure. What, uh, what, what are you up to nowadays? Like, um, Well, I just turned 71 yesterday. Oh, and, happy birthday. Yeah, I'm still working out of my home for a hearing center, actually. Oh, really? And uh, just doing appointments, something to keep busy because yeah. I have to keep busy. And um, that's really about it. You know, what about, what about uh, the marijuana? Have you smoked that since then? <laughs> that, uh... No. <laughs> In 49 years, I might have had a few tokes here or there. Yeah. A lot of my friends smoke. Um, but take it or leave it, that was it. I just, uh, I, again, I think I got, well, I did. I got sick of it, the uh, smoking every day at a certain yeah. time. And uh, it lost anything it had for me in the beginning. So, yeah, 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 really. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. No, I totally understand that. I'm like that with food sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, be the same thing, really. Yeah. yeah actually, every night I do that. <laughs> uh, so, Craig, actually, while we got fresh on the topic of that, the result, uh, the research, was it ever published? Did you ever find any more about that? Well, so just to, to again, um, not to give too much away, but they were expecting different results to begin with. And that's where we talk, the word conspiracy comes from, essentially. Um, what happened was there was extensive research in the sense that there was a lot of physiological tests. They had doctors, they had blood work, they had their pulse taken, they had um, uh, nurses. It was very like um, administered that way. Also, they were doing the field study at the same time about how responsible the people that smoke weed were with money. They were all on budgets and had to decide how to spend it and if they could actually make get ahead in the game and their whole socialization. So there's a, what a lot of people believe is that when it wasn't going the way they expected with productivity and their microeconomy they created, they decided to change things a little bit. And it wasn't just, you know, when Doreen talks about two joints, she's talking about two big fatties. They weren't like skimpy. Mm-hmm. And it's not natural, we all know, you know, you might pass a duchy, but you yeah. couldn't. You had to ingest 15 minutes apart, two joints, but they kept amping up. One little spoiler alert is they were amping up the THC mm-hmm. nightly. So it wasn't becoming, obviously, a normal experience with marijuana. It's it, And the film is not an anti-marijuana film. It's not a pro, pro-marijuana film by any means. It's right. you decide. It doesn't It doesn't judge any people or anything that went on. It, it's but. To, to answer the question, and it's been published, so it's 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 not as much a spoiler. But no, they they decided that this wasn't heading in their direction for whatever reason. That they decided there was no longer any funding available to do the most important part with it was was the data analysis, the the physiological and social analysis. And I think that's what upset Doreen and and some of the other um, women that I spoke to, because they put their bodies through a lot, and they felt like you know. Look, this actually was one of the first experiments in Canada that led, that eventually led to a more lenient thing. It didn't become decriminalized, but you went from seven years in jail for your first offense to, you know, a fine. So it, it wasn't all for naught, in my opinion. Um, and they learned a lot about marijuana and the effects on females. But I I feel like it's sitting somewhere, and everyone thinks it's probably long gone. But it just went to the archives in Ottawa. Um, and it's, it, it sat there, which is a real shame because there's very valuable things that they learned from these experiments. So I think that's what's heartbreaking. Um, and I guess if a grad student wanted to dig up through some old boxes and look, they might find it, but, um, it just didn't seem to serve their purpose in my opinion. So that's, that's what happened. Yeah. It didn't fit. It didn't fit the data they wanted. So they were trying to make it right. Yeah. But I, I know um, just from my side of things that there's going to be a big interest through the people I talk to and pass it around to because it's three of my favourite words, the marijuana and conspiracy. <laughs> three of my favourite <laughs> yeah. words. <laughs> well, I just think that um, the yeah. film itself, and I'll let Doreen after me, but the film itself, with what I've enjoyed from festivals before they all got shut down, and just feedback from talking to people that, um, interviewers and things who watch a lot of movies and things, mm. It's it is entertaining. It, it's a movie, but it does resonate with people, and it opens up conversations about a lot of the themes of the film, mm-hmm. and also how so much that happened then is still happening now. The parallels are uncanny. 
Um, so that to me has been a very rewarding experience and the intention of making an independent film like this versus sort of a safe television movie or something like that. Yeah. So I do think that um, it works on different levels from the feedback I've been getting. And, you know, the nice thing is people learn, no one knew this had existed. It's actually a voice for all of the women who went through this and a story that needs to be told. And it's globally relatable because all the things that go on in the human condition it happens to all of us. And so I just think that that's sort of something for your listeners and stuff to keep in mind that there's, there's so many things they can learn or think about at least. And that's, that's the point of the film, you know? Yeah. Did you, uh, have you experienced any sort of kickbacks or any, any negativity? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, the, 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 there's, you know, some people didn't, they weren't interested in funding or distributors weren't interested in seeing at the point. We have really great distributors now, like Samuel Golden Films, is, is doing the world uh, and they just got three Oscar nominations for some of their films. And then we have Vortex Media for Canada. We have great distributors who understand the film, but people have been nervous of it. Some mainstream media do not want to cover it. Um, what's really interesting is social media is, is very censored now. Um, big platforms do not want the word marijuana. We get banned on social booths. Uh, we can't even use our handle for the title in one of our handles. And even big marijuana, who it's legal in certain places, they're nervous of it because there's so many regulations around marijuana. So we're sitting here going, great. Well, we can't even have the industry itself endorse and support this film because their lawyers are too nervous that they're going to be encouraging people or get taking an irresponsible perception of marijuana. In the meantime, they're growing it and selling it. I mean, this is a movie and it's actually a historic movie. So it's just really surprising that even the industry itself is nervous of this film. And that tells you we still have a long way to go as far as not only legalization, but just even the perception of it in society. There's still a lot of people that are are, are not wanting to um, deal with it. I, th- I think we're very much heading towards a, you're going to have to pay, everything will be behind a certain paywall and you'll, you have to go pay to see your own things. Even with podcasts now I'm finding, um, I'm the same as you, if on social media, if I mention what I want to talk about, it, you know, I, I get shown to nobody and, it, and it'll be for weeks on end and I have to try build it up by not mentioning it again and just right. slip up. And I do understand the frustration with it. That's why through podcasts, that's the best way. These people, you know. Yeah, I've I, I, I found the podcast interviews the most interesting because you can talk it longer yeah. and get into more of the details. And the other interesting thing, just to mention, in North America, it's going to be out every every platform on digital and also on cable on demand. And it'll be out internationally soon thereafter. So if, if you're on the other side of the ocean, just keep your ears and eyes open because well, it will be, become available. I'd like you, to, uh, if I can keep in contact, once it's over this side, if you let me know, I'll really push that on my social. And all through, I'm getting friendly with some cannabis influencers around, you know, in the UK. And that's on, I'm sure they'll be happy to plug it as well. So Nice. That would be know, great. Uh, that would yeah, be really good. Definitely. Like I said, I'm not the best interviewer. Unless it's not my forte. I'm... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to get involved. I, uh, as soon as I see this, I was like, "Yes, I'd like to promote what I can with this." So, thank you ever so much for taking the time to come and talk to little old me here in sure. the UK. You're welcome. I'm going to go yeah. finish that. But the first half, I've enjoyed so much. I'm well, pleasantly surprised. Excellent. Excellent. And if you have any follow-up questions, uh, just let us know, and we're happy to we're happy to talk. Thank you ever so much. You have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank, okay. care. thank you ever so much. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Jesus Christ, welcome back. I was had a coffee fit. I feel like that edible's kicking in. I feel absolutely hammered. 
How do I look, Mum? Oh, I feel absolutely levered. So f- how was that for an interview for my first time? Weren't bad, was it? And I, and I promise you, look out for the film. It ain't out here. We're going to keep you up to date when it comes out. But I couldn't miss the opportunity to get involved. Honestly, I do recommend going to watch it. Or keep an eye on my social media. I'll let you know it's over here in the UK. At the minute, it'll only be out on 420 in like North America and America and that. So I feel so fucked. Look at my eyes. But that was so, I really enjoyed that. And it sparked me a new interest for the show a bit on some things. So I should have another CEO of a cannabis company in America coming on soon. So I'll talk about it more once it's out and we can watch it together maybe or do something. But go watch the YouTube trailer that's in my bio, uh, in my podcast bio. I am fucking hammered. Proper hammered. This is funny to do it like. I feel level. I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. Let's have a little think what's going on this week then. Let's see if we can chat some shit because I feel fucking hammered. That edibles killed me. Gyms have been back open, ain't they? Oh, I've been sore. I was reckon I injured myself. Swear to God. Done chest in ice. Annihilated the 50 kilos. Like, uh, uh, four reps. Like, fuck. It's first set. That was funny watching everyone day two. It was like, oh, I thought I'd go away with it, but it was Wednesday. I trained Monday, I trained chest, back Tuesday. Wednesday, was meant to do shoulders, but went to the gym and I couldn't get my arms above air. Honestly, I was in so much pain. I feel like I've been toe punting in the tit. And Tom moved, felt like, like I was doing kip ups with my knees and boobs, probably. It was hard. I went in there Wednesday to do the old shoulders, didn't we? I like shoulders. Oof. Oof. I had to do legs, mate. I thought, fucking hell, three days in, I'm doing legs. Fuck, this just said it'd be fun again. It's funny, everyone in the head's like, do you hurt? Fucking do I hurt? I fucking can't move, bruv. I ain't had socks on for two days. <laughs> I changed my pants. <laughs> he was fucking running out of things to train. Mate, I like, in your head, you feel like, Oh, fucking hell, pumped up, you're looking in the mirror, you think, fucking hell, I'm just fat as fuck. It's been four days I've been going, Jimmy, I ain't changed. This is going to be a quick episode because, like I say, I am hammered, man. I shouldn't have recorded this, but I ain't got golf till lunchtime tomorrow, so I wanted to take two in the morning to edit it. <laughs> and I wanted to eat that edible, and Skelly's giving me it to eat on, the, eat on here, and I'm too hammered. Look at me. It's been a bad week, isn't it? That Prince Philip... Died and all that as his funeral today. It was. I didn't watch him. I was at work today, but he's sad. I see the Queen now. He's sad. Like we take the Mickey out of here now because he's a, he's an old man and, that, and their family's probably done some stuff wrong. But we have always done stuff wrong, haven't we? I did feel sorry for her today. I thought, fuck, man. What we all say about things, no matter what, they're human beings, aren't they? All of them. That was sad. Not sad as me fucking losing golf is fucking weird. I lost to me fucking brother-in-law only over nine holes, and luckily. We've always had a rule, nice holes don't count. Because it's like, you ain't got a chance to turn it around. It's like a second half football. You can't just win at half time, can you? Yeah, so I fucking lost, which fucking was gutting. Not a bit out of Queen felt. But if you love golf, out here is a fucking tip for you, a 460 tip. If you can't fit a tracker to your boss's car, if you can't sneak it on there, get him into golf. This week, managed to get the boss into golf a little bit. He's been and got some clubs. Only some cheap ones, but it's a start. I couldn't go with him, though, to get him proper into it because I was hurt. But 
Oh, if you get your boss into fucking... If you get your boss into saying things as you are... It's fine, loudly afternoon, bossing his son's out. <sighs> Call it got tea time, two o'clock. What? Thinking up here for thinking down there for dancing, bruv. We got the email confirming that Belton Woods is back on this year. Oi. There's <clears throat> about 14 of us golfers going to a, uh, like a country manor house. We go there once a year, twice a year sometimes. Two golf courses, a dinner, a nice fancy hotel. Bit of me, that is, you know what I mean? So I'm going to do some filming there. You lucky bastards. There's seven people that listen to this. You are lucky people. I should just do a name call. I should, bring, we should read you out on here each week. But yeah, so we got Belton Woods. Which I'll film some stuff for Belton Woods. I might get the Wally Cup going there. Get my dad versus the Scott. Hey, are we bastard? They play each other. It's good to watch. Competition is good. Whether you're really good or if you're just as good as each other. Just as bad as each other, whatever you want to class it as. But, so I love watching my dad and this Scott. Hey, we bastard. We'd call him we bastard. So my dad and him play because they like competitive. He's not, you know, he's not threes and fours competitive. He's sevens and eights competitive, but they're bloody good. It's a bloody good game. They're getting much better, eh? But it's funny to watch. Sometimes you do feel like you're watching, like you're on the A1 and there's a lorry and the other lorry goes out to overtake it. And you're watching it. You're stuck behind it. <laughs> the one's going one mile now, Gregor. Get out of the fucking way. And then my brother comes along in his Corsa, <laughs> trying to keep up. Well, that's funny. Fuck it, it's just funny. They have a good laugh. It's what it's about, isn't it? And they're competitive. I wish I had someone competitive with me. My brother-in-law thinks he's competitive, but... Bravo, I was injured. But you beat me online. I was fair fucking place, you I want my sister's boyfriend to play. I've got two sisters. One's married to a golfer. And one's going out with a geezer who come golf and he's all right here. I reckon he might beat him soon. That'd be the best thing ever. Come on, God. I don't ask for a lot. I don't want a million subscribers. I want him to lose to my sister's boyfriend. Oh, that'd be the ultimate. Come on. We'll get Jack on for a special. We'll get him a green coat. <laughs> Jerry. Fucking hell. It's going to be least we opening up, innit? Looks like the COVID deaths are going down a bit, didn't they? They've come out a little bit and said, I think, maybe all these people didn't die from COVID. Maybe some of them just had it. Which we knew, didn't we? But you've got to be precautious. Come on, let's not... We're going to come out of this now and everyone's going to go back and look at it and scrutinise it and start moaning. Let's just, let's just fucking enjoy our lives. Come on, we ain't got many years here, have we? Let's just fucking enjoy it. I was around my brothers. I was thinking, we'll start doing... A, I want to start doing a Patreon. Not that I'm worth it yet, but... I want to plan for the future. I want to record 30 episodes with my mates so they can say a bit, be a bit discreet. Get them on so we can chat some shit because they're funny people. Everyone I know I could get on. If they want to come on, just be discreet. We'll change their voice a little bit. They ain't got to say their name. It's beyond a paywall. They'll never get heard unless you're a proper fan. So I was saying to my brother about it. He's like, yeah, what can we talk about? We speak about it. And then we just started chatting anyway. We started talking about, what was it? Oh, like the quarks and the singularities and all that shit. Just don't, because we both are interested in it. We're not thick when it comes to stuff like that, but. So we start thinking, and then we start rowing. I'm thinking, we ain't coming on the fucking podcast and you had a fight over it. <laughs> so we might have to get some security in for me and my brother. But we'll, be, we'll do like 
maybe a fight companion sort of one or something. Not that it's worth it, but I like doing this, so fuck it. Why not? I've got big plans for this, mate. Even though it's not getting nowhere near the listeners I need it to, so I'm on this for the long run. You might be listening back to this in three years' time. Maybe the world's a lot different. Maybe I'm speaking Chinese. Maybe I've got airy knees. Who fucking knows, bruv? What's been going on at work this week? Been a bit quieter this week. People have been out in sight again, fitting some stuff and that. But we are cool. We do the challenges at work and we're competitive. When no lads entered to the challenge, A-Dog is in the challenges. I didn't enter this one, but Bob Hawkins brought in some fucking chilli sauces and... I swear to God, if you sniffed it, your bum will start shouting, what the fuck are you sniffing up there? You ain't eating none of that, yeah? No? Just smell it, you fucking idiot, you fucking idiot. Bum will just screech it, don't do it. Well, Bob Hawkins putting a bit in his omelette, wasn't he? Lovely little bit. Blip, just a bit. Sensible amount. And for Bob Hawkins, that's rare, because normally he goes balls deep. If you ever listened to the previous podcast, he, he can't just take what he's meant to. He has to always have a bit more, doesn't he? Well, he done that, and then a dog come in, goes, "Oh, I love that, so that fucking pussy." That's not racist. That's the sound the sauce made as it went in there. It was fucking hot sounding. That's how hot it sounded. A dog's arsehole was saying, "Water, send us fucking water." But a dog handled it. I was thinking he was going to be dead. I thought he was going to shit himself. I went and got the other boy. Said, "Hey, bye." Hey, dog's about to shit himself. <laughs> but he didn't. He handled that. So that might be a new challenge at work. Spicy things. We've got to organise a date and bring in a spare pair of pants heats and then we'll get it on. <laughs> While we're on the subject of Bob Hawkins, his lovely missus has heard the bit of the podcast. So I'll be talking about her saying, you ain't been sending uh, like cakes in. She's been making them and stopped sending them. So I called her out a bit in it, which... I regret a little bit, but I'm glad I did because she sent some in. <laughs> I said to Bob Hawkins, I said, let her know that I record on a Friday. So she's got a few days to redeem herself and make it up to me. And they came in and I swear to God, they were amazing, fucking beautiful. And I'm sitting here gutted today because I played, I won the second slice. I won it on the darts ball to Ferrer Square and I Billy Big Bollocksed it and not, like re-bet it. I fucking lost it. So I was gutted. But that was a fucking lovely brownie. So well done. Beep, 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 beep. You are hired. I'm going to have to get you. When this kicks off, you're coming into the kitchens. 460 kitchens. I can say, I'm going to get going. I mean, I can't smoke much more than this. I mean, I need to fucking sit down. The edibles hit me hard. Before I start doing some weird shit on camera, talking to a leprechaun or shit. Oh, but I have got to tell you one little story from this week. <clears throat> well, this is like the Grand National was on, wasn't it? And maybe last weekend. Well, I was in the cafe, my mum and dad's cafe. My brother works there and he loves the horses, he does. And this lovely woman coming in, she knew, I know her. She goes, Jay, hello, Jay. I said, hello. Mask on and all that. Hey, Dunia, are you right? She goes, who is that woman that's been running all the races on the horses? I said, I do not know horses very well, but my brother, my brother is a bloody expert. And he is a bloody expert. He knows everything about it. Well, it was busy in there. 
So as he's come out, I said, Larry, come here, we need your services. He's come out, yes. She's told him the story, I want to back this woman who's won all these races. And he said, oh, that's Rachel Blackmore. She had a bit of a fall yesterday, I think. Let's have a look if she's riding today. Well, he's got chips on the go. He comes out, quickly has a look on the paper. I can't see her, love. I don't think she's running. And he goes, but I'm backing this woman. I think she's got a chance or whatever. So no more was said. Well, he goes back out the back. I'm standing with her and I'm watching her. And she starts betting on it. And I'm watching and she's bet. She's picked who my brother told her to, thinking that this woman that she wants to back is not running. Well, I'll go around the brothers that night, don't I? Go to watch the Grand National sit there with joint. We're starting to watch it build up a bit and they start mentioning that Rachel Blackmore. My brother's like, oh shit, I think she's running. I couldn't see her in the paper. I swear I couldn't see her in the paper. I was like, fuck. I was like, and he was like, fuck. It's 40 horses in the race. So come on, we're all right. Well, they go off, didn't they? Boom. The tip my brother give her, that fell pretty early. So it wasn't looking good so far. But there's this other horse. It's gone out crazy in front. Led loads of the race. 80% of the race. Looked like it was going <coughs> to... Looked like it was going to lap the fuckers. But then it starts coming up. We've got sort of two or three furlongs to go, or whatever they call it. Two or three jumps to go. And that Rachel Blackmore, didn't she? She stops her whipping her horse. And this horse... I swear to God, come through the field. Fucking hell, and that wrong time. I've never laughed so much in my life. He absolutely fucking pissed it. Oh, my God. My brother was so good. He was going, fuck, I can't believe it. I can handle losing my own money, but I feel like I've robbed someone of their fucking money. So I was like, don't be, don't worry, bruv. As I was ringing mum and dad, telling them the fucking story, listen to this, what this Wally's done. Oh, I was in fucking bits. I nearly wet myself. Cool, so he ain't seen it yet, but I'm surprised if you get left hook. <laughs> yeah, so that's really all I got for this week. I'm too bloody hammered for it. I'll do an extra one during the week next week. Make up for it to myself. But I've had a bloody good day. I am bloody stoned. I'm more than just a stoner. This week I've done all my gym, all my golf, all my videos. Completed everything I set out to this week. All I've got to do tomorrow is go and fucking play a good game of golf. Please, if you get the time, like, subscribe, share. But more important, go tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your brother, tell your sister, tell anybody of the lesson, tell everybody in the fucking world. I need some help with this, but do not tell the old Bill. Don't be a fucking grass. See you next time, people. Thank you ever so much.